the Bible Study Podcast, episode 226. Today, the Bible Study Podcast begins a study of 1 Samuel. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. Today, we're going to jump back into the Old Testament to the time of 1 Samuel to set a little expectations in terms of where this falls. 1 Samuel is the transition between the time of of the judges and the time of the kings. And the judges come right after the Exodus. So we get the children of Israel in Egypt. They get out the 10 plagues. They receive the law at Mount Sinai. They finally come to the promised land some 40 years later after a generation dies in the wilderness. And then they go into the promised land with Joshua. And you'd find the story in Joshua of Jericho, for instance. They capture the promised land, all that they're going to. And then They don't have a king because God is going to be their king and God is going to be their ruler. And what happens in Judges is that for some time, they will follow God as long as they have a leader. And then when they lose the leader, they will go back to following other gods. Something will happen that's bad. Someone will come and invade them. They'll remember God. God will raise up a judge. Samuel is basically that transitional person who is sort of the last judge, and ushers in the time of the kings. And so this book is a very transitional book here in the Old Testament at a key pivotal moment in the history of Israel. And it starts like this. There was a certain man from Ramathiam, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downtrodden? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? The first thing that we see in this particular chapter is why having two wives is not necessarily a particularly good idea and why we don't tend to do it much anymore. There's a problem that Hannah has, and it's a little more complicated than she doesn't have sons. She doesn't have sons, and therefore she doesn't have as much status. At this point, your sons would determine your status as a wife. And I say that not thinking that that is still the case, but that is certainly the case at this time. And so she is goaded by this other wife who has kids and she has none because this is clearly a reflection of her. This is some sin that she has done. This is some shortfalling of her. Don't even think of it as a medical problem. Think of it as a stigma. Think of it as something is wrong with her. And that's really how she would be perceived, especially by this other wife, but not apparently by her husband who loved her. And so it's not that she necessarily wants kids to play with, but her whole status is wrapped up in the fact that she hasn't had kids. 
Now, kids were very important, as they are in a lot of countries, because there is no Social Security, for instance. So how well you live in your old age, what little old age you may get, is going to be determined by what children you have, because that's who's going to take care of you. And we still see that in developing countries. You'll see that as child mortality goes down, the family size also goes down, because you don't have to have as many kids to make sure that someone will take care of you when you get old. In rural India, you have a family size of about five kids per family, but in industrial India of two kids per family. So you can see that play out here, that this importance of children. Once when they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose, and she worshipped before the Lord, and then went back home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. And the word Samuel sounds like the Hebrew word for heard by God. And so we get this emotional scene where Hannah comes to the place where the priest is. I want to say comes to the temple, but we're a couple generations before the temple will be built. So she comes to where the priest of God is, and she prays, and she pours her hat out, and so much so that Eli gets involved in this whole drama here. Eli, who's the priest, and says, you know, may may what you pray for come true. And it does. She goes home and she gets pregnant. And she has this child who she has promised to God, this child who she names, heard by God, Samuel. When her husband Elkanah went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him, only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Now, before we leave this story... I want to deal with kind of a difficult question that comes up is, why is Hannah's prayer answered and why wasn't it answered before? There's a temptation here to say, well, the reason why it's answered now is that 
Eli prayed for her. Or the reason why it's answered now is because she made this vow. Well, why wasn't it answered before? Was there something wrong that God chose not to answer her prayer before? And the answer is we don't know. We don't know why God chose this time, but we see or we will see as this book goes forward that because God chooses to answer this prayer of this woman, he answers the prayers of all of Israel because Samuel will become a leader of Israel for many years. And so her child is an answer to prayer, but not just her prayer, or her child is not just a blessing for her. And so she gives this child, as she promised, over to the use of God. And this child is dedicated to God's use, is set apart for God's use, and he will follow in the footsteps of Eli. And we'll see later on, not in the footsteps of Eli's sons who are not faithful to God. So that will all come up next time. If you have any questions about this episode of the Bible Study Podcast, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.